Welcome to Blind Shovel, an arts and music podcast. Today I had the pleasure of interviewing Armenian illustrator, graphic novelist, and animator Roman Miradov. Despite his best efforts, he always brings a smile to my face. Enjoy. What's up, Roman? <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure if I'm talking into the phone or the microphone. Uh, is this fine? Yeah, you sound very good. Okay, great. So it is going into the headphones. Yeah, it's all good. All right. So you're in Brooklyn, huh? I am, yeah. When did that happen? Uh, about two years ago. Oh, it's been some time the last time we met or saw each other. That's probably like a decade. No, it can't be a decade. Oh, God, no. <laughs> but, it feels yeah, like, uh, how'd you end up there? Two years ago. Uh, so, like, COVID. You moved there during COVID. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone was doing that for some reason. And I was one of them people. Uh, San Francisco was a bit on fire. And that seemed like a good reason to take advantage of the lower than usual rent, etc. So how long were you in the Bay in the end? Oh, God. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> More than a decade. Yeah. How about you? How long was I in the Bay? I was yeah. in the Bay for like four or five years. And That's then I learned my lesson. amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I learned my lesson. I didn't need more than that. I should have learned quicker. But well, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what needs to be there. Uh I was, yeah, it was just so easy for me to be there because of um, the Notion office, which I use as my private studio, <laughs> not private, but uh, extremely shared studio. Uh, so I lived just so cheaply and I was probably the thriftiest person in San Francisco, which is why I managed to live there so long. But had I not had this, you know, I would have been forced to leave much sooner. And where did you live before? Uh, Moscow, Russia, and then before, before, originally, in Baku, USSR, or Azerbaijan, as it is now known. So you went straight from Moscow to the, <laughs> to the Bay Area. There's something funny about that to me. Yeah. Such a contrast. I imagine. I don't. I know nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a. I don't know if it's a complete opposite. Like, what's the opposite of anything? Well, yes, it's quite hard to tell. Right. But it must be different, no? Yeah, extremely. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I still, I haven't really changed at all. Um, so, my personality has not adapted to the. American, you know, way of living or talking or anything. Well, there's many American ways of speaking. And that's why I had to leave because I am from New Jersey. Oh, yeah. And I ended up back in New Jersey. And I think it's mostly related to just the way people communicate and their, <laughs> and, and maybe their values in some sense. But 
Um, the, what what are the jersey values? <laughs> uh, I, well, you know, more sarcastic than I intended. <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's values sure in a sense. Values. Yeah. It's just a way of. I don't know. It could be like I have my roots here. My whole family's here. Mm. And there's people I can speak frankly to, but in general, I speak frankly. So I feel. Yeah, I always felt an extremely frank man. <laughs> in California, I do not find that to be common or acceptable. Well, yeah, I mean that's, so. uh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, and that's the cultural shift that I never adapted to. Um, I mean, Russia is. And extremely unfriendly friend, unfriendly friend, unfriendly place. But if you do manage to make a friend, that's uh, a lot. And that friend will probably be with you to the end. Uh, in California, yeah. it's, sort of, it's so easy to make friends, but then they're not really there. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I prefer the, the, the former. Hard which, earned. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it is earned. You know, yeah, it is. How it should be, you know, there's an assumption of friendship in California. I don't like. Like, there's this man. I won't speak his name, but he takes it upon himself to hug everyone he meets, even oh, if he doesn't know them. What a bastard! <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, not uncoincidentally, lives in in Los Angeles. Um, mm. You know. Hug it's Harry. just it's just different <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the whole hugging thing has always driven me a bit crazy you know uh, i'm not too fond of physical contact with strangers <laughs> it just feels a bit presumptuous and much yeah i mean at least you're explicitly exotic you know in that context <laughs> in in california it's like you have an accent you're from somewhere different. Yeah. I'm just from New Jersey, but so I feel like right. you probably get you probably got more leeway with that in terms of what well, you could get away with. Definitely. Uh, well, up to a point, and maybe earlier, but I think well now you just no one wants to talk to anyone from Russia. <laughs> Which is is that nice. true? Is that true? Well, I don't know. Um, no, I, I, I would I, I would suspect you get really stupid questions more than not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember someone asked me like, "So, what do you guys think about Stalin?" <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, only someone who's not from Russia is kind of mulling that over. Especially, certain, <laughs> you know, people in the Bay Area might be, you know, really well, that, playing that with actually that. Actually, before before Stalin became cool in the in the young circles, which is. He's cool again. Fascinating. <laughs> thing to yeah, yeah, he's I think, cool. I think, yeah, you know, people are rewriting history everywhere all the time. Um, it's ridiculous. You know what he is? He's handsome. He's certainly he's handsome. Hot. Yeah, I mean, young Stalin is such a hottie. Yes. Yeah, that book cover. You know what I'm talking about? No. No, well, I do know was, Young uh, Stalin though, and he's he's well, there very was a attractive. Book called Young Stalin, and when that <laughs> cover came out, everyone was just start creaming themselves over him, uh-huh, uh-huh. and uh, people were like, well, maybe he not, was a good guy. That's <laughs> not a very nice man, but well, uh, that's a it's a challenging ethical question. Like, I don't is it think okay it is. I don't think it is. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, um, you, you think it's totally fine to objectify Stalin? <laughs> I think so. I, I think it's. I think, I think in this instance, yeah. I think that's the the act of real resistance is reducing him to, uh, you know, just a fuck toy. <laughs> um, it is one hundred percent what he, he would not have wanted, and therefore. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't care. He had other things on his yeah. mind, I believe. So what does yeah. it mean to be... Uh, so, like, if you live in Brooklyn, right? I don't think... Uh, yeah. I mean, is it any better than the Bay? I mean, I no. think... I, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. It's objectively worse. <laughs> you, you went from these bubbles to... They're just mm-hmm. bubbles of different kinds of... But they're kind of in the same vein, yeah. I assume. Right? Yeah, I mean, I have... I wouldn't say an expectation more more rather than it. I would have a hope that people are a bit uh, cooler here, but they're not. They just put on different clothes. Um, they moved from the bay and put on different clothes. That's what happened. Yeah, it's yeah, the same I'm, people. Well, it it really is. Um, yeah, I haven't really. Well, that's not true. I've met some nice people, um, but. Yeah, I mean, I really, I'm too old to buy into some kind of New York coolness. Um, I think it's, but also, I don't think I ever did buy into that when I was in my 20s. Uh, I was always irritated by these people. Uh, Now they're just getting younger and younger, and I'm getting older and older and more and more irrelevant. And it's probably not going to get any better. (laughs) You should celebrate that irrelevance. It's uh, a true freedom. Honestly, yes. Yeah. You feel that? <laughs> well, how, how old are you? Well, I like that that subtle jab. Um, well, there's no jab. It's a compliment. <laughs> I'm 33, but I do celebrate oh. that irrelevance. I feel that even subconsciously in my 20s, I must have been more aware of the the waters I was swimming in. But now I, right. I'm around like... I mean, I love the kind of communal feeling of seeing an old person, my nieces and nephews, young children. I I think that's important. And that's what's severely missing when you do live in these bubbles of the Bay Area. Absolutely. I mean, that's one thing that I do much prefer about New York. There is definitely a much greater diversity of people. Uh, It's not, um, you know, just a city for 20 year old tech bros. But there's plenty of those. <laughs> and uh, it is nice to see all the families and all the uh, you know different people. And no matter how ridiculous people dress and how much certain trends can irritate me, it's still kind of heartwarming to see that display. Um, I think it is a heartwarming city. Yeah, I think way, it's a diversity, uh, you know. Uh, I do like uh, that. I really do think it's diverse. Yeah, no, definitely. But in respect to what age did you move from uh, Russia? Um, I think I was 23, maybe. And if I really recall correctly, you were an engineer? Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that why you have a good work ethic? You have the, you have <laughs> the work have ethic good... of, a, of a Russian engineer. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I, first of all, I was a <laughs> terrible engineer. I had no work ethic. Uh, I had no future in engineering. Uh, I would have 100% gotten fired pretty pretty soon. I was just like completely slacking off. Um, I what I would 
I mean, first of all, I wasn't really an engineer. I wasn't really allowed any proper work. I was just translating tag documents. Mm. Uh, so it's, you know, like how many cylinders, there's some turbine. <laughs> this is the, the dullest shit you can possibly imagine. Um, I remember I was translating some document and then I would go out and around page six, I realized that I have already translated it. Uh, and they, they're all just so dull and so similar. <laughs> just when I translated one thing and then I accidentally opened the same file and started over and I didn't even notice that <laughs> I had done that. I think that was a moment where like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? How did you end up making um, that decision to be studying engineer? Uh, Engineering, well, sorry. Well, I don't, I, didn't, I didn't really make that decision. Um, my father sort of firmly suggested that I do that. Um, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I wanted to be a translator uh, when I was the young and, but I just didn't really have any idea of, you know, where or why. And I, I didn't have any backbone. I wasn't really a good reader. I just, I knew I had an interest in language, but, you know, I don't think I would have been able to enter one of them proper universities. Mm -hmm. I uh, certainly would have never been able to enter a Russian art school because the, the drawing skill, they require something that I will never have. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, I mean, you have to like copy all the sculptures and stuff like that. Interesting. I still so you, have no idea how to draw a person. Yeah, you know how to draw shapes. You have a good sense of shapes. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it, it's kind of abstract, right? I relate to that. Like, I don't know how to draw like yeah. humanity, the the kind of <laughs> warmth of a soul, the the spirit of someone. It's pretty hard for me to capture that. Well, because it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, <laughs> there's no humanity. And maybe not anymore. Maybe not anymore. Uh, Is that where you? I mean, so I've always wondered about your. Is it a performative nihilism or is it a genuine? <laughs> it's a genuine. Uh, first of all, I don't think it's nihilism. I think sure, sure, that's strong like word. A lazy term that people. I'm not accusing you, but uh, you know this has been leveled at me very often. Hmm. Uh, I think uh, it's kind of a lazy term when people sort of say, "Oh, you're so dark and gloomy," but like, I don't really don't think of myself as a particularly depressing person. Uh, although I, I seem to have a great capacity for making people depressed, uh, you know, when I do like a little lecture or something, really, people, people kind of start That's looking the sour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I tend to be able to swing it back. Um, I think I'm I'm very honest, like about illustration industry and working as an artist and you know how unfair and grueling it can be um but i don't know i i think it's just honest and um like i i first of all i i'm well okay i'm not a happy person that's ridiculous but i i'm i'm a big fan of i don't know what i'm going with this 
Go ahead. Go ahead. I uh, lost my train of thought. You're a fan of. You're not a happy person. You're depressing. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> what else? This is, this is going terribly. Uh... If it's honest, it's honest. Well, yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, I will say there's a lightness to your depression. That's why it, yeah, feels, okay, it that's... feels performative to me in the sense that right. a true depressive I mean, they bring you into a black hole that you can't escape. But oh, I can I, take it there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, no, we, I think <laughs> it's, it's performative lightness, if anything. You know, uh, the okay. despair is fair enough. Really fucking there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, no. I mean, I I really struggle with just you know wanting to live at all. Like I, and the older I get, the worse it is. Like I just really don't want to live at all um oh yeah yeah and i mean what i was saying is a big fan of is uh i'm a i'm a big fan i wanted to say i'm a big fan of art and then i thought god that sounds awful of course you are <laughs> <laughs> you're like a swimmer being like i love water um <laughs> just i don't think you, you you haven't earned the right to die yet you know i think um well i don't think it's up to you to decide <laughs> I think I think I can. Ha- I have some say in this, but also yeah. I, I quite like that. Uh, I mean, you know, when I was in my twenties, I would think that that you know, honestly, uh, I'd be like, well, I'll finish this book and then we'll see if things don't improve. And and you know, that's such a like a dumbass male approach to solving your mental issues. And be like, mm-hmm. I'm well, all maybe I'll, yeah. I'll publish a book and then I'll be fine again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I guess what? Uh, nothing will change. You'll be probably more depressed because now there's people. Uh, you know, slagging it off online. Uh, but no, I think art is like the only thing that really redeems this garbage heap of living. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's not the only thing. There's also love and cats. Mm-hmm. Three things, art, love, cats. Sometimes they can intersect, you know, the trifecta of uh, good life. You know, it's uh, funny. I feel that people who who value love are often depressed. Uh, And I I do believe culturally we overvalue love and that's a complicated word, but. Well, I'm not going to really broad. I don't mean romantic love necessarily. Okay. Cause yeah, I think that's the disease that we live under. That's the unifying thing, you know, that we need. That's how it would probably manifest itself for most of us, but it doesn't have to. Um, But also like if you're in the relationship, that's not romantic love anymore after a couple of years. No, that's when you <laughs> should start, you know, like that's a real thing. That's- at a certain point, I realized uh, that spark and catalyst of romantic love is in the service of something greater. If you want to have children and you better start making children because <laughs> otherwise it's just not, it doesn't make sense. And I think things need to make pragmatic sense, even when love is involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, when talking about art, I like the most unromantic views of it. Typically, you know, um, like for instance, I don't know why you, why do you make art? Like you're, you seem very inspired by animation at the moment, but are you just possessed by some spirit, <laughs> like spirit? Or do you feel, cause for me by making art, I, I felt a transcendent force, which later led mm. me back to God in some sense. But I know this isn't the result for a lot of people who make art, but something about that process put me 
uh, in touch with with something. I was raised Roman Catholic, so mm-hmm. that's my symbol structure. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what is it like Russian Orthodox that you would have been raised? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so well, obvious, Ar- obviously, Armenian, Armenian Orthodox, but you know, it's the same. I, I don't. Okay, but obviously that's not important to you in this equation, right? Well, it's hard to say. I am. I'm very agnostic in that. Uh, I mean, there's no difference between being like evangelical and, and being atheist. Mm-hmm. It, it's the same kind of. Thing. I'm kind of like, uh, and again, like this is how I feel about the rest of it. Like it, instead of nihilist, I would kind of use the word agnostic towards pretty much everything. Like I just don't see it as a pressing question you know but i've always been really jealous of people who can have that sort of connection um uh, i mean what you say makes so much sense for your work because you can really feel it uh, that you know that energy is not is not just carefully planned out design you know mm. i mean it obviously is that but there's something that's really primal about your work which i don't think i have access to that um you have you have uh well thank you for that but you have uh you know it's not just intellectual but there's somehow you've manifested that feeling of intellectualism mm. visually in other words the lines to me are smart it all right. is very smart and i don't mean that dismissively yeah. i could i certainly could because there's I, some I, I would i would say it dismissively <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i really can't stand cleverness in my own work and i, I find it exhausting i mean I, I i cannot stand all my old work um but even like I mean, nowadays it's kind of better because I feel like I'm much more honest with myself and I don't really do like, performative pretty illustration with clever little shapes and whatever. I just like draw whatever I want. Um, but I think- are, you, are you as well-read as you look? <laughs> because a, a, lot of the, a lot of the work exudes a well-readness or at least a European sophistication. Obviously, the one book's about Duchamp. And yeah, I think I'm well read for a uh, cartoonist. Um, okay, fair. that's, <laughs> well, that's no, fair. Most of them are sort of complete idiots. But uh, they would usually have like one book that they read 20 times. That's something I've noticed that every cartoon has like one book there. What book? With. What book is that? Give me one book because I don't know many that uh, read anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I remember someone told me it's like a. Knut Hampson's last novel on on something soil, which I never read. I think that's why he went like full Nazi, which is interesting. Anyway, yeah, now you're intriguing uh, me. I don't know who Kim Thompson is. Is that a cartoonist or a writer? No, no, uh, Knut Knut Hampson. <laughs> oh, you know the guy. I don't know what that hunger. is. Um, anyway, uh, I think yeah. I mean, I read a fair amount. But, you know, I think it's not really part of my identity or something in the way that people sometimes imagine it is. Um, but I think it, it is, uh, I'm a compulsive reader in that I read kind of everything and I read into everything. So, like, I read Yelp reviews and I would sort of analyze the structure and I would 
pick on all the weird turns of phrases. Um, yeah, you're neurotic. Uh, no, well, yes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, you know, I have a fascination with language and I've always had that. Even before I started writing or doing anything creative, I would like, get obsessed about certain turns of phrases, how one person might say it this way, another, another. And I think, uh, you know, language is one of those uh, things that do make me love uh, humanity a little bit, you know, because it's just such an incredible thing that just comes out of our mouths without any control or thought or anything just sort of happens. Um, Yeah. It isn't clear to me how we made language or language was arrived at. I don't think we make things for the most part. I think they just arise again, like they're going back to nihilism. Like I really have no, uh, amount of faith in uh, free will, oh, okay. uh, and people go, "Wow, that's kind of like this." What? What is it? I don't think it is because I think it's just kind of admitting that you are an animal that has evolved in quite confusing ways, and part of that is making you believe that you have thoughts and you sort of form sentences and then you do actions because you thought of something but like all of this is just complete fucking chaos (laughs) i mean there's been so many studies that show that people act before they think and what we consider our decisions or opinions and whatnot they're so fickle and they can be easily manipulated by something as simple as weather you know Yes, I've heard this claim, uh, this particular study. I I don't think it proves what they purport it to prove, but science Mm. plays that trick quite often. I'm all in for free will as I'm mostly pragmatic in the sense of if it seems that you have free will and it seems that you make decisions, then you do. In a sense, uh, I don't know how you embody a deterministic perspective whether it's a religious determinism i think that would be calvinism or a more materialist one in which you're just you know cue balls bouncing off of each other i don't think i try not to embody philosophies or ideas i can't enact and that saved me a lot of time and definitely pushed me away from um zen for instance like i just don't think i'm i'm humble enough to be like all right I'm from a Christian culture. I was raised Roman Catholic. That's basically all I can work with. I'm never going to be able to understand the complexity of of Buddhism or Hinduism uh, without being like marinated in that culture for decades or your entire life. I think there's like a hubris to being like, I could just put on this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and first of all, then you get into this. This is what I believe is almost like a scientific framework of within myself i have the evidence that i think this thing is true which isn't really what belief is to me belief is more what you what you're doing so mm-hmm. that's a that's a bit of a ramble right. but like i i i feel like that's where intellectualism can become a problem and and especially when you identify it as like a high schooler i don't know mm-hmm. high school school is but you know what I mean? There's like an identity. <laughs> There's an identity that you, you try to latch on to. Uh, well, yeah, I think I'm very interested in Zen. But again, like you said, it's it does feel like an insurmountable um, 
I mean, where do you even begin? You know, <laughs> and there are so many Western people who yeah. have written, kind of developed it and written their own interpretation. I mean, I'm I'm re- currently sort of reading a lot of Viktor Pelevin, a Russian novelist, uh, uh-huh. who has like a weird sort of Soviet zen. <laughs> to it. I like the sound uh, of that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's very odd, but. Um, but it feels very warm and humane um, and sort of funny and depressing, like all the things that are relevant to me. And like, I, like I never read him when I was in Russia because he was one of them popular writers and mm-hmm. I was, uh, you know, an idiot cool. snob. Yeah. 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 Like, well, I are you read. still or no? Not. I hope not. But I imagine uh, I will, you know, like it, it, it's been the same for me through my life. If I look back at everything I thought and said a year mm-hmm. ago, I just feel uh, like cringe, as the kids say, you know. Mm-hmm. I just want to apologize for everything. But I don't know. I feel like I'm all so right is that, now. Is that true of your work as well in the sense oh, of yeah, yeah. you look back and you're – see, I have the opposite. I, I look back mm-hmm. and the, the further it is, the more it feels like it wasn't me and I could I can develop a relationship with the work that isn't so – uh what would you say like burdened it's just like oh it's an it's just another book and oh yeah i mean that's and, uh, just, that takes I'm like a terrible. decade for me i i, I guess I, i'm really frustrated with myself because i know that i'm capable of great humor mm-hmm. and lightness and uh unfortunately i very rarely allow myself to express it in the work or in, in uh, just like in, living? Mostly my work. Uh, and then, you know, people who who know me and uh, they're dating to hang out with me, mm-hmm. they would occasionally be like, wow, you're much funnier than, you know, what you kind of allow yourself. There. And that's that's been changing lately. I think a lot of it was... I don't, I don't know what it was. You know, it's it's a kind of... A combination of various bad habits. I mean, the book I just finished is just so fucking depressing. <laughs> what book? What book is that? Um, well, it will it will come out next year in France, uh, probably nowhere else. Um, but it's. I mean, that book is entirely about suicide, and it's kind of me like processing all these uh, very very dark thoughts. Um, so great for a French publisher. Right, yeah. <laughs> in, in some ways. Uh, I mean, it's also, I think it's funny, but uh, I don't know what people will think. Uh, I think it's entirely possible that people will be like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? He thinks it's a, uh, it's a, something that you can sort of write jokes about. Uh, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> of course you <laughs> because, can, you know, this is, you know, a... I mean, that's, that really is the one thing that I absolutely did inherit from, you know, from Russia, but also from my, my parents and the whole like Armenian thing is when you're sort of systematically oppressed or when you're yourself depressed, when you don't want to live, like there's no other place you can really turn to other than humor, you know? Right. For and me, for and sure. I guess like that goes back to what we we're talking about earlier was that, uh, very banal sounding thing I said about love cats and, and art, uh, to me like that 
and you know to that i can also add humor because it sometimes is part of art sometimes isn't uh but to me that is kind of like it's really a coping mechanism in a way you know i really like i'm not a big fan of that whole like artist therapy thing but nor am i but i feel like if when i when i lose the humor when i stop sort of making fun of myself and the world and everything else uh not in a mean way but just like processing it like trying to find the humor when i don't see it like that's when i really really spiral and that's when i feel like well there's there's just nothing <laughs> well the the gravest sin might be humorlessness and that's yeah. a it's a plague yeah, amongst like uh, it, people it completely affects me physically like uh, i mean i've lost lost my sense of smell and taste a long time ago and then when i get that grid it gets really bad it, like my whole body kind of shuts down like i my stomach just starts hurting 24 7 i can barely walk or you know it's like it's a very physical i don't know how to even call it but it's um you're speaking like literally. Your body, yeah, yeah i mean completely literally it's not just like i'm being sad it, just like my body sort of decides to give up <laughs> so you were losing taste and smell before covid oh yeah yeah you're way ahead of it i guess um you know they're og <laughs> <laughs> so um, i see that on this instagram you gave it up yes which i think is I've a good it's a good idea it to the to the gods of nothingness yeah exactly um, but what was that doing to you? Was that affecting the way you were working or just increasing your depression of participating in social media? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, probably nothing different from what everyone else feels these days. But, uh, I mean, there's something about the possibility, even if you don't look at it, of uh, your work being quantified in some way or another. Mm-hmm. That's so fucking upsetting to me. <laughs> you know um you mean quantified and almost like uh oh you know likes shares comments whatever okay yeah uh, in fact the, the the thing that really tipped me off and made me delete it was making a comic that was very popular and it like blew up and everyone was oh my god you're so funny blah 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 mm-hmm. um and then so i started working on something else and you know in the back of my mind i still saw like well, but would it be as funny as this one? Or, you know, you mm-hmm. can't help but sort of consider, like, will people yeah. like this after that? Uh, and for a long time, uh, you know, I kind of, like, prided myself on being very contrarian. And I would mm-hmm. do something that people like, and then I'd be like, mm-hmm. well, now I'm going to do the opposite of that. But then you think, well, you're just being an idiot, and you're still guided yes. by other people's opinions yeah you're reacting it. well right and like so and again this this has been the same thing i've been thinking about for the last i don't know a couple of years it's like why the hell am i making art you know and and it felt scary uh, to not get any of that um approval and validation but i felt like i have to face this nothingness you know just like put myself on a desert island and see if I want to keep drawing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, is that what caused the shift to animation for the moment? Just something new? Yeah, I think initially it was my 
uh, hand therapist. <laughs> um, I was having a lot of pain in my hand f- mm-hmm. after draw- drawing the Duchamp book because it's like very inky and you know mm-hmm. expressive. And uh, yeah, the doctor was like, "You shouldn't be drawing because you have hypermobility. <laughs> it's just like not good for you. Do you want to do something else?" Uh, well, uh, there's nothing else I can do. But I thought, uh, well, I've always been curious about Blender, and then 2.8, the, the kind of later version came out at the time, and it people were saying that it's much more accessible nowadays. So I bought like a vertical mouse that's ergonomic, and I thought, okay, maybe I'll I'll do that now. And uh, I didn't completely stop drawing, you know, but it's been a nice uh, kind of different thing I can put my hand on that doesn't hurt as much. <laughs> yeah, literally. But then, of yeah. course, I got kind of sucked into it, and it's a very different mindset. I find. Have you ever tried it? blender or animation uh i guess both i'm actually about to learn blender for very different reasons because now i do fabrication work and blender is quite good for that but animation i've done yeah i've done a couple of different experiments one was like a music video so so that was pretty straightforward but Mm -hmm. i do enjoy animation when i was little i thought i wanted to be one but Mm -hmm. you know in the final assessment and even in the early assessment, it was pretty clear that that final assessment, (laughs) (laughs) that kind of, uh, I mean, I obviously have a work ethic, but yeah, I don't have it in that way. That kind of grueling sitting and just animating and the the payoff is, uh, (laughs) five seconds (laughs) which is it's beautiful like i i love miyazaki i like early disney i love a lot of animation Mm -hmm. it's like really maybe the peak medium for me and and what i'm interested in but comics solve that problem slightly and i also think comics can obviously do things that animation can't but what i like about your animation is it's it does things that i wouldn't associate with animation it's kind of a hybrid feels like a comic to me the way the the framing occurs the panels mm. and you can tell i mean the some of the best animation outside of those giants like miyazaki i do think it's usually made by people who aren't primarily animators because oh, animation yeah. school yeah. makes just like the most bland yeah no tasteless <laughs> cogs you know yeah i mean the whole, get, like, yeah go ahead uh, it, it, and it's all of them uh, people kind of go on about CalArts being this like soulless machine mm-hmm. but there's hardly a school that doesn't have like a style that it imprints on everyone you know like goblins in France uh, yeah yeah great sort of seen as this more like sophisticated blah 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 mm-hmm. but I don't know all their graduation films kind of have the same general vibe and the story is all the same for some reason um, but I think it's kind of like that weight of legacy that people work under and when you're and as someone like me who has zero stakes, uh, like I know, well, first of all, like I've never made any money from my work, from mm-hmm. you know my personal work. So if I do Blender, that's just like it's got to be fun. Uh, of course, it isn't when you're like 40 hours into some scene and blah blah blah. But initially, it's fun. Yeah, fun um, isn't the word. 
<laughs> it it's a release. Uh, it's a release. I find it. I mean, uh, people kind of always expect me to have some sort of engineering twist to my art process, and I yeah. don't really have that, to be honest. But I think Blender is sort of the closest to that because it's very, it's very analytical. You uh, have to plan, although I don't do that at all, and I, I try to improvise as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But it it's just so different. It plays. It feels like playing with like bricks or Legos or something. But it's like some kind of mad Lego set where you can do anything. You can make the blocks like bubble and <laughs> do your bidding. Do you you still make physical work, right? You still draw on a sketchbook. You still do you try to oh, maintain really? that? Is no, that's just off the table now. Yeah, I mean, I really should. Uh, yeah, I, I want to. I don't really. I don't really know why I stopped doing that. I kind of became obsessed with Procreate, the iPad. No, yeah, I never. I never used it. Oh, it's great. Um, yeah. So I got obsessed with making brushes in it. Because hmm. uh, I, I just wanted to find a way to work digitally that doesn't feel bad. Um, right. And I managed to make some brushes that are like a little bit. Were weird and wobbly and give you unexpected results. Um, and I, I feel like, yeah, I, I don't really see people taking advantage of it as much as I think they should. It's like when people use digital, you know, it all looks like just a cleaner version of what they would do on paper. Right. You know, uh, which is a problem. Uh, you have to like reverse engineer the intimacy and, and humanness yeah. of the thing. Yeah, or when people, I mean, people sometimes go for like an extremely digital look with your, which is its own thing. But I kind of wanted to have like an analog feel to digital tools. So not emulate reality, but uh, sort of use that feeling of screen printing and drawing and have that in in like a 3D space. And I mean, that's like when I started doing Blender and I'm still figuring it out, like I'm really not... I don't feel like what I have done so far is indicative of my animation style. I think it's still like in its baby steps. Mm-hmm. But people immediately started telling me that oh, it was crazy that it still looks and feels exactly like your work, even though it's a completely different medium. Um, I like I don't I didn't really see that at all. Uh, I thought I'm just like doing crap work, <laughs> but I think uh, you know it still translates the aesthetics like. I find different ways to have the same rhythm, the the humor translates in different ways. Like timing becomes an, a thing that's completely absent in comics. Well, not mm-hmm. completely, but it's much, uh, much more controlled in animation. Yeah, and you have Dory as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Which, Dory uh, is a great union. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. met him. Have you met him? In I have, but not much. Uh, mm-hmm. Sort of, Nave would be dominating uh, <laughs> the conversation. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, Dory, Dory is very uh, sweet and sort of a little shy, so I never really had much in-person conversation with him. And I still haven't. Like, we've collaborated so many times, and there's part of me that sort of likes that. 
Yeah, that's uh, what he said. He likes the uh, kind of division. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I, I understand because you either need to go full on intimately into a collaboration or maintain yeah. that division of labor. I think it's good. And I also, I, you know, I, I try to give him as much space to do his own thing as possible because he's a brilliant musician and I want it to be like a true collaboration. I think the last thing we did, I definitely kind of like annoyed him way too much with <laughs> my specific art directing. Yeah. Well, I'd be like, oh, you know, this section should sound like a violin in a washing machine. And uh, oh, <laughs> I'd be like, well, this should be like, there's a sock on, you know, and it's blowing in the wind. Mm-hmm. Not, not literally, but you get the idea. Yeah. Like I, I don't understand music at all i have like no hearing i have like a really barbaric attitude towards music like i just wanted to do something to my soul (laughs) that doesn't exist you know i I understand yeah i don't really like i don't understand it with the same intricacy uh as i apply to language and drawings you know it's it's very mysterious to me and what he does is kind of shocking how fast he makes it and how good it is yeah no it's a perfect union yeah it's like you know uh i remember uh marcus smith from the fall he was talking about john peel you know and then they did like the most peel sessions that any other band has done and he and when when peel died they sort of called him in for an interview and he sort of said that deranged and he said something like well I, we were never friends you know it's, it's better <laughs> this way and then people were like well that's fucking crazy you know he's like he he was not friends with a guy who promoted his band for like 40 years you know went out of his way to have all these sessions but like i think that's kind of good like he understood that their relationship is based on this sort of artistic appreciation like sort of diluting it with uh, all your disgusting human shit is not such a good idea sometimes yes some people it's, it's like chemicals maybe there's just like they can't mix or they can mix in a very specific way yeah you know whereas like Neve and i it's like a, it's inseparable from our human relationship but i understand for most people this would be a very bad idea, but that's kind of how I live my life. Like I work with my brother. I don't really draw those divisions. I don't believe in going to a therapist. I almost, cause I believe in like, I don't want to, in some sense, objectify a human to just have to hear me. I want relationships that are uh, bi-directional and acting as therapy, if that makes sense. Right. Also, yeah, I'm just I, an I mean, Italian that's, American. That's a, very so. Russian, that's a very Russian way. Uh, every time I talk to my mother about, uh, or sending my parents to therapy, and uh, they could suddenly use that. Um, <laughs> you know, she would be like, Well, you know, back in our day, we would just sit with the girls in the kitchen until 3 a.m. and talk it all out. And I didn't need your therapist. Uh, A lot of people, it's like the world has changed and admittedly no that. No one does anymore. Yeah, know? exactly. There is no I mean, kitchen. There's no 3 a.m. There's <laughs> there's nothing left. Right. Yeah. I can't Do you go to therapist? <laughs> uh, no anymore. Yeah. I After I moved, uh, my last one was just so 
pointless. He, he did some. Um, he definitely helped, but it was not fun. Or <laughs> it was not. Fun. <laughs> it was not entertaining uh, enough. Well, I was uh, annoyed when he would laugh at everything like that. You know? And I think that's a, what a lot of people get out of it. They sort of get validation for their uh, quips yes. and whatever. Um, so you have the same therapist as you hope to have with your comics. <laughs> it's kind of a, a well, divulgence that you hope my, people laugh. My default mode, you know. I, uh-huh. I mean, I, I'm the same with myself. You know, I talk to myself all the time. I make myself laugh. Um, it's a very healthy relationship, I think. With yourself, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that part of it. <laughs> and what is your relationship to France? Do you speak French? Do you just like French things? Is is that why you're getting things France. published? Uh, you hate it. Well, I mean, I kind of do. I, mm-hmm. I'm like a re- recovered Francophile, I think. Um, okay. I was definitely like, deeply in love with French bande dessinée. Uh, definitely not so much traditional French comics that yeah. I find pretty awful. <laughs> um, I mean, they're they're like not that much better than Marvel and DC. People sort of have this idea that they're more sophisticated, but no, it's the same like dudes with guns. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, but yeah, you know, Mobius like, being the the peak of that, right? I mean, he really like kicked it off into a different di- direction. Yeah. Um, but he also did do do this with guns. <laughs> you know, he, I mean, he did kind of everything. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, yeah, you know, people like I... Christoph Bland and yeah, Gus yeah. Gopa, Bloch certainly. They were, I mean, they were a huge influence. There's no question there. I, I was definitely obsessed with Flaubert, um, mm-hmm. Georges Perec, and the Ulipo. Um, I was going to say, Ulipo, like your animations remind me of that restraint, that kind of game where you know there's a logic. Yeah, I mean, I I have absolutely like absorbed that into my DNA. I pretty much never use like strict formal constraints, but there's always something. Mm -hmm. Like with Duchamp, uh, with that book, I decided, I don't remember, but pretty early on that the protagonist uh, that is Marcel Duchamp will not speak. Um, and then I kind of build the whole thing on that. Like, well, how can you write a story about someone without him having any say in it? And I thought, well, so the narrator is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. He's like this, uh, exaggerated version of, uh, sort of everything I hate about myself, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like a really anal, uh, art historian i guess. I don't really know who he is but um it, so he kind of like writes himself into a corner and says well since we don't know anything about this time in duchamp's life then he won't be able to speak and blah 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 mm-hmm. and any and the idea was like to create really un- uncomfortable conditions for writing a book and that is something that i still do a lot like i, I always want to feel uncomfortable you know, as soon as you feel confident and you know what you're doing, that's when you need to stop. I feel. So you have some. That's like a heroic uh, metric. I feel <laughs> there's something heroic about that, where it's constantly yeah, I'm, I'm like a going into the forest. Yeah, you're close to one. Well, that's a good visual image. Better like big fucking deal, you know. Um, 
So like you know, there's a lot of firefighters, but there's only one Roman. You. So, That's yeah. right. Do you speak French? I do not. I tried to learn it. I think three times. I just find it unbearable. I find it like <laughs> such an annoying language. <laughs> I'm in the thing, and I I understand oh, really? why. Because my fiance is French. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear about it. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> but uh, yes, it's difficult. I don't know any other language. You know another language, at least one, right? You know Russian. Yeah, and yeah. English. I mean, I have like a weird relationship with with language in general. It's 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 very 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 emotional. You know. Hmm. Um, I don't really use language much for communication. I think that's. It's always been like, even as a child, we get fixated on like words and the sounds, and there's like certain words that would really make me uncomfortable. <laughs> and then, you know, a lot of it is like uh, quite difficult baggage from, you know, people in Russia being not particularly nice to me, because um, you know we were we were refugees in the '90s in Russia. It was a pretty brutal time. But anyway, uh, yeah. So frankly, I, I don't know about that that dynamic that dynamic very well. The Armenian Russian yeah. dynamic. So, are you Armenian? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, one hundred percent. I have. I started getting uh, uh, ear hairs. You yeah. Know that? Yeah. You know. No, but not, no, not no. On the inside, but on the outside. No, I don't have that yet. Like, what, <laughs> what the hell? I have like. Two inch long ear hairs. I never thought that's even an option. You know, um, what what does that matter? You don't like it. I have hairy ears. <laughs> it's belie- I, it's I, believable. I, I love it. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think it's a bit weird because I, I don't really have any other prominent uh, Armenian hair spots. Uh, like I was, <laughs> my DNA distribution glitched somewhere around the ears like i don't have a unibrow i don't have chest hair i don't have all these things that people associate but uh, in the with ears <laughs> yeah but the ears are going absolutely apeshit um uh yeah so i've been like shaving my ears <laughs> which, which is a a pretty weird feeling i'll tell you that much um you know, you don't like go to the barber and be like, "Of course, could, could you- not here, <laughs> not here at least." In Armenia, I, like the only reason people go to the barber. Uh, when ha- when's anyway. the last time you've been to Russia or Armenia? Uh, Russia, I think a couple years ago. Um, really, don't know when will be next time. Possibly never. Um, Is your family there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's difficult. It's been like a source of your constant, I'm sure, uh, grief and despair. Yeah. Um, Armenia, I've only been there once, so I, I don't really have any cultural connection there, to be honest. So mm-hmm. my father has, because he's of the right age to be sort of uh, nostalgic for uh, homeland and all that. Yeah, uh, I'm. You know, uh, the the requisite ten years of exile have passed, so I'm now nostalgic about Russia. But again, not Russia, but the Russian language. Hmm. So when I moved, I 
it wasn't really a decision, but I just kind of stopped talking Russian, speaking Russian at all. Yeah. Uh, only only with my parents, and that's mainly just sort of nodding and saying, uh huh, yeah. Um, so I would only read in English. I just kind of completely severed myself. And then, yeah, 10 years later, I suddenly, uh, someone asked me to write something in Russian and I did, and it was so easy. Um, I somehow felt like I just discovered this whole new language that has always been in me. Um, and I, yeah, and I feel just really emotional about it. Really? Yeah. Just, I don't know. Uh, I've been reading almost exclusively in Russian lately, you know, because you want something nice that's Russian to like counterbalance all the horror. Mm, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you want the high culture. Right. Uh, or just humane. Um, yeah, and it's just been uh, so, so strange to rediscover all these things and to kind of find this little turns of phrases that are completely untranslatable. And, you know, it feels like, it doesn't feel like language, like words, like something that can be written and deciphered. Hmm. It feels like something that's so much deeper and something that's more human than our human bodies. Interesting. Yeah. You think you'll die in Russia? Do you want to die in Russia? <laughs> I want to die anywhere. Uh, you don't even care. You don't even care about where you die. <laughs> I feel like people should really care about where they want to die. You know. I, I think I one thing I do care is that I do want to be. Uh, um, well, it doesn't sound good, but I want to be donated to a necrophile okay. after I die. Yeah. You want to, to be, be loved. Well, not really the word I would look for here. <laughs> Uh, I just feel like I always felt that necrophiles kind of have a bad rap, you know, among all the, all the files. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> quite the group. Not, well, it's just like, it's really not the worst thing, you know? Uh, it's almost metaphysical, their crime. It's not like a, well, especially yeah. if you have a materialist view. Like, it's pretty fascinating, that attraction to me. It's odd, yeah. Yeah. To say I mean, the least. If I, if I were in some kind of, you know, vice documentary, and I had to. You will be. Yeah. Uh, well, no. If I were <laughs> the guy who's doing the interviews, and you know, I'm in the editorial office, um, and the uh, you know the Ian Vice or whatever, he's like, "Well, you can interview one of the files. Which one would you choose? Like a pedophile? Or... What are the other ones? Uh, Cinephile." Cinephile. <laughs> I mean, there's, that's it. Um, that's it. <laughs> this refile. Uh, obviously, yeah, there's um, like infinite amount of files, but you mean sexual files? Right. Yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know. I, you know, you put me on the spot uh, here. Well, there, there's Garantophile. That, that's all kind of interesting. Garantophile? Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I think, the elderly. Oh, I but mean, again, like, I don't really want to talk to pedophiles or your own files or, you know, any of those people. Cause not, you, you want to be fucked when you're dead, though. And and I don't know how you could arrange this, but I'm sure you could. I don't think there's anything yeah. illegal about that. Well, so anyone I mean, anyone listening, if they have a connection, we'll, we'll set yeah, that up. up. Uh, <laughs> we'll make a dating app for you. I mean, I just, I find it fascinating as a 
as a thing, you know, and it's obviously not something that has been particularly explored. Um, cause they don't, well, you know, it's weird because they don't really pose great threat to the living. Um, which is why like, I would feel more comfortable talking to necrophiles. Than- well, how, I mean, do they not like economically speaking, they don't kill people and fuck them. They only wait well, till I they mean, die that's, naturally. That's, that's kind of a big, you know, if they do kill then so the necrophilia <laughs> part is secondary to the murderer part. The right. Murder it's part, swept under right? the rug. Yeah. Well, right. let's hope you're not murdered by that said necrophile. Yeah. I mean, I feel like phew, I shouldn't have said any of that. No, yeah, now because I, now attracting the wrong crowd. <laughs> yeah. What's your address in Brooklyn? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, what part of Brooklyn, at least? Let's see. I'll if we tell use... you the, the, the cemetery where I want to be buried and they can okay. stop me there. They can yeah, go ahead. Sit, sit and this... wait. Uh, the cemetery is the cemetery. Well, the you know the the one in Brooklyn. Okay, I don't. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I've been there. It's kind of a nice one. It's, it's nice. large. It's, it's so lovely. Yeah. Um. There. There are ducks. I think. Uh, Living ducks. Well, some of them must be. Uh, I mean, that's a good question. Like, what happens to the cemetery ducks? You know, do they bury them? In that cemetery, that's a good deal for the duck. Yeah, they being. The... It's probably really expensive to get a spot there. You know, it's like a big distance. In Brooklyn, of course. Yeah, I mean, people go there for walks all the time. It's not just the gossip. You know? So, in respect to, we're talking about you dying, but right. Surely, you look forward to. Are you working on any larger projects or things that you know you'd like to do before you die? Um, well, I mean, that, that, the suicide book was sort of like, well, if I do it in the book, maybe I won't have to think about it. Maybe you won't die. Uh, so far, still thinking about it, but, um. There's nothing wrong with thinking about suicide, though. I never understood this idea. I agree with you. I find it, like, really weird when people say they've never thought of it, you know, uh, I, I talked to, I think, my boss about it. He's like a tech person. And he's like, well, there's just, you know, I've got to build a company. It's like, oh, really? Is that it? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So what was the question? Oh, yeah. Uh, the My other projects. So, I mean, this one was like really difficult emotionally and artistically. Cause, you know, I, I sort of like had to come up with a new style for it and it's 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 all like done with screen tones mm-hmm. digitally but they're sort of used in a like really unfinished painterly application mm. i don't know how to describe it but i mean the i feel you know as always kind of looking back at my work like whatever this was at best fine but it does give me some comfort thinking well i I did do something that i haven't seen anyone else do so that's nice um but it was very it was very difficult so whatever i do next i want it to be fun um i'm kind of figuring out what it is i have an idea for a more cool book but i feel like it hasn't really coalesced in my mind and it tends to take a very long time um, so I think I want to do like some really short stories, um, hmm. just do 
explorations in different genres do something i don't know like a cyberpunk thing well i mean not that <laughs> you know just try as many different things in short format as i can and i want to do more animation that's kind of like a little more flat um so i've been playing with blender and thinking of, again how i can do it in a way that's not overdone and obvious and and also mm -hmm just fun in the process you know that's not like tweaking some light source for hours but right. more about just enjoying uh the the chaos and all that but there are so many things i mean, i have like a backlog of notebooks with stories that i haven't deciphered uh like beginnings of some novel and this and that um but yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just been hard to pick anything up. Um, and that's the thing about big project. And you probably, I don't know if you feel the same or not. You can tell me. But when you have something like that, it's very comforting in that, you know, you're, you know what to do tomorrow and the day after. And then it's over and you're like, fuck, back to the void. <laughs> there is nothing. <laughs> Well, I love ritual and routine for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know, like the void. I haven't gone to the void in in some <laughs> time. I think the void is primarily due to uh, kind of narcissistic, fo like when you think about yourself, mm. you tend to have problems. I think in any regards. I'm just realizing this, like, um, like I'm I'm working on this art center, and I often mm -hmm. do builds for other people fabrication uh even like logo work and i think a lot of my problems just arose from thinking about myself spending more time in it thinking about something i wanted to do whether that was comics or not mm -hmm. and it somehow just compounded neuroses and and anxiety and then i feel like when you focus on other people you mm -hmm. don't have the time yeah, to go well, into the void that's absolutely true but maybe there's uh, something I mean, in there's something in the void like i'm not convenient about it right like i've <laughs> lost something it's it's uh i don't think i'll have the luxury to enter the void for maybe decades yeah. i look i look forward to going back there when i'm old but mm. in the present i just feel like i have a responsibility outside of that void i still am where i'm working on a comic now um but i haven't applied as much structure to it yet where i can be like mm -hmm every day i have to do this but i would agree with you that i think long-term structures are very valuable and they're also valuable when you don't show them because you start to build up that mm -hmm. delayed uh gratification and like I, that's why i barely use social media anymore is like i wanted to develop long distance runner muscles not sprinter mm -hmm. muscles and tum tumblr developed my ability to like make a drawing every day but an illustration as well but like eventually you want to figure out something more substantial and yeah. Yeah. and when you stop caring if people are looking at your shit every day mm -hmm. or you've gained financial independence from that practice i think that opens up the door for much better work and probably why i don't even know about anyone making comics under like 30 because i i i do feel pretty old in that scene and i don't really care what they're doing oh yeah same and yeah. it's not because it's bad it's because i don't it is bad well it's probably bad no it's <laughs> just there's there's ideological no, things at yeah. play that i just don't 
really oh, care yeah. about and it's the new clout it's the new way to yeah. signify some kind of importance and it, it undermines the the real art and the real struggle yeah. of just making something i would say transcendent i don't know what language you mm-hmm. would use but uh propaganda is not transcendent by definition no. it's digging its heels in yeah no absolutely i think that's kind of like to me that's the beauty of making something that makes someone else laugh to me that's like just the highest thing for me that's the, that's the transcendence you know or just having that like really direct emotional reaction i mean you know the, the few times that i had any like very physical satisfaction from something i did it would usually be when i would be doing a book reading or something and then mm-hmm. You say something and people laugh and that's just like, you know, there's nothing like that. And I tried doing stand up a few times and the very few times when it went okay, it felt just unbelievably good, you know. You I was going to say, it. you should try to be a stand up. That should be the next. I know, but I'm so fucking old. Frontier. <laughs> How old are you in Russian? Uh, Russian age, You're like a different Russian, species. In Russian um, <laughs> probably 90 in Russian years. in Russian years <laughs> well in Russian years I, I would be dead right now um, or maybe I would cut off my arm as people are doing um, yeah I think I, I'm 36 I think turning 37 in a couple weeks or something like that and um, I, I think people look at you if you're always already in that circle and it's not a pleasant stare. Uh, and, you know, people say like, well, if you're starting in comedy, like after 30, you're just a complete fucking schmuck and loser. And of course, you know, if you mean it and if you really want to do it, none of this matters and you just go and do it. But the the social aspect of it is kind of excruciating. Um, yeah, I run an open mic here and we had oh, yeah. th- three first time comedians go up about a couple months it's ago so and <laughs> it's, it's incredible it makes yeah. you really appreciate because stand-up is so hard it makes you appreciate oh my god yeah. even even professionals who you don't think are funny so mm-hmm. i assure you you're better than those three who went up and if you ever want to do it here that yeah. would be that would be fun um yeah. i mean that's the thing it it's so reliant on the audience and so unpredictable yeah, and I think with with the kind of stuff that we do, you can sit every day and you work on it. If you want to practice stand up, you have to wait a couple hours uh, in the evening to come up for five minutes, <laughs> try it out, and then you know go to another place. Like the the sheer amount of time you have to wait, or you know, and if you have an audience through Twitter or something like that, like that's obviously better, but. I think starting from ground zero is not ground zero from nothing is a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, it feels good, man. But again, like I remember I wrote like a little, uh, uh, a little thing and I, I went and I did it and it was just like completely, uh, regular crowd. It didn't, uh, seem like that would be, you know, my people or whatever, but they just, laughed at everything it was amazing where was this i don't remember somewhere in the south and then i think i i did 
kind of the same thing. It was like, all right, I found something that works. Let's let's try this again and see. Like maybe I'll I'll add like a different line here. It was like a couple minor changes, and and I did it a different place, and there was complete silence. And there's nothing worse. Like you know, you would much rather have someone telling you to fuck off. But I think that's what's hard is like the metric there. Yeah, like you, you don't know if it worked because the audience or it didn't work because the audience. And well, I think yeah, that's like, something I mean, interesting. You, find out? Uh, you I don't think you can in like a strictly airtight way. It's it's definitely yeah. like, I guess when you go to the top it's probably funny to almost anyone within your language right. or culture. But then if you have like, uh, my fiance tries to show me French comedy, even with subtitles. Oh, and yeah. it's just like, this, <laughs> this isn't going to work, you know, like advice <laughs> and vice versa. But yeah, no French humor is brutal. <laughs> I, think, uh, <laughs> I think what's interesting with your work and I feel in mine is sometimes it isn't clear when we're succeeding or failing mm. uh, with the comics. And I think the next thing I make, I'm going to try to have it a little more clear for myself Mm -hmm. when that happens. I might lose something in that process. It might be less personal, but I want to know, like, if it's working or not. And that's part of the frustration of how how do you do that? I don't know yet. I'm in the process, (laughs) but I feel like my older comics, like only with uh, some some distance from them, could I say because they're kind of poetic and obscure, could I say like, oh, this mm-hmm. panel is wrong because I know I was trying to do or draw something more precise, even in its vagueness, mm-hmm. and I failed. But no one knows that, and that's a little frustrating. I would I would rather be called out for failing even like a traditional narrative structure mm-hmm. than, than hiding in the poetic, which I think I was guilty of at times. Oh, same. Uh, uh, I've been massively... Uh, I mean, I did the thing that I find nowadays unbearable mm-hmm. in other people's work, which is hiding behind other people's work. Um, How so? Well, you know, Duchamp? so much. Uh, Who are you I hiding mean, behind? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Duchamp is very original, actually. Like uh, your your book, not him himself. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> uh, but my book is yeah. It's like it's very much. It says nothing about the shop, you know. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a a play on what you would expect from a biography, but it, it really subverts everything. And and I think uh, story wise, I'm I'm very happy with it. I think drawings are kind of like up and down, but it's definitely like my most I think complete and just quite weird book in that. In, you know, nothing like, well, a lot of weird things happen, but, um, you know, there's nothing like, shh, well, there is something shocking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's no necrophilia or whatever. Not yet. Well, yeah. actually, there is. <laughs> <laughs> well, hard to say. There's some dismemberment, but, you know, it's not like graphic or whatever. Um, but you think it's a success, right? The book. Well, certainly not in terms of sales, but uh, or publishing it in in America, like it's been rejected by every publisher. <laughs> really? Which is yeah, and, and they always say like the same thing that there's just no way this can be marketed because it's a book that presents itself as one thing, but then it's a different thing, but also not that. You know, like it 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 does a lot of things that are very wrong, 
like it from it a marketing produces, perspective well from all perspective from cartooning mm-hmm. it's very much like I, I think it it will appeal to you if you like read a lot of comics and you're kind of tired of them and if you like studied art history and you're over it so i mean for myself <laughs> like you there's a kind of distance from everything and it's uh but i think if you like read it as a straight book like oh i'm gonna learn about this artist yeah you're just gonna be extremely disappointed <laughs> um but you know it, it's like and i think that's something that applies to a lot of russian works actually because russia is so late in its development mm. well with everything so uh every russian novel is about the idea of the novel you know like even the most mainstream russian hits like war and peace is not really a book about war and peace but it's like a book about what a book about war and peace could be and then mm-hmm. you know as early as gogol it's extremely postmodernist you know before that word ever existed um, I'm sorry. What was the original thing we were talking? About? I think I was talking about just success and failure and oh, trying yeah. to develop metrics for oh, that. So I was saying like the thing that I really hate is when people kind of like uh, base their whole personality around other people's work, which is completely natural thing that happens to everyone in their 80s, you know. Um, and I think that's uh, something I did a lot in the beginning, like everything would be a little reference to this clever book or that clever book. Um, and then, right, you right. know, it's all like layered in this convoluted language, which again, I used because I wasn't confident in my English. I mean, I still am not, <laughs> but I'm willing to like try and be bare and honest about it uh, rather than like inventing words to cover up my inability to write uh, coherent sentences. Yeah, I, I do tend to think of books and art objects as beings and that they're yeah. I think of them as literally having a conversation. And if someone is mm. constantly referencing the smart shit they read to you in a conversation, you're probably going to be like a bit put off. And I think it's, again, pretty natural early on to yeah, yeah. do that. And maybe it, it helped you get like these James Joyce book covers, which are nice and embed you in a kind of literate yeah uh, i mean that mode. was such a such a fucking accident that i got into all of that mm-hmm. um i i uh, yeah yeah we went to greece earlier and i thought wow wouldn't it be incredibly pretentious to read ulysses there <laughs> uh, <laughs> and i thought well actually i haven't read it in a long time like let's see if i still care and I was kind of annoyed by most of it, you know. I mm-hmm. think part of it is because I've read so much about it, and like a lot of the mystery is gone. Like obviously, no one can ever know what the hell he was thinking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it no longer like really captivated me that much. Um, and I think the books that really move me nowadays are the ones that kind of sneak up on you with an unexpected perspective or some weirdness, but that are on the surface like pretty straightforward. Yeah, I can relate to that. I love reading kind of stupid books. And I don't yeah, mean like yeah. Nelson DeMille on the beach, but I mean, 
I like reading like mode, like even like I'll get into motivational things or just practical things about mm-hmm. how to structure a day or something. And yeah, I don't know. There's like that idea from Philip K. Dick of the trash stratum where like that's where you're going to find the real impactful yeah. ideas in, instead of these supposedly high places. But obviously mm-hmm. I, I think it's obvious that Dostoevsky or something Joyce, there's plenty there, if not everything yeah. there. Well, I mean, that's what I mean by being kind of a composite reader myself in that, like, I really don't see any distinction in quality of language, you know, like if I, I can read, I can derive as much joy from reading some kind of, uh, instant pot manual as i can from reading george (laughs) that's the evolved snob form like you have to enter the (laughs) initial snobbery is is very selective right and then yeah and then it evolves into a different type of selectivity that snobbery (laughs) yeah yeah that that is imperceivable to even the lower snobs and and they hold on to the fact that they don't (laughs) listen to to this pop song or that pop song or don't read this book but they're stuck uh, yeah, I mean the the thing that I really can't stand these days is that like the middle brow, the the things that are kind of fine, <laughs> like the the very like accomplished, competent things that like I would I'm, I would much rather read something that is just failing completely than something yeah. that's like I can see all the mechanism and how it supposed to make you feel this or that and blah 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 yeah there's a real desire to be perceived as informed and intellectual in this age and also artistic and it's all rather nauseating that's why i have the great pleasure of hanging out as a creative you know yeah that's why like i love where i live where there is no one else really who makes art or if they do yeah, yeah. I mean, I have an identity. You know, it's it's a. I don't think you need more than one artist per village, if that. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's the dream. Oh, it it can be yours. <laughs> you just have to leave where you're at. I cannot wait. Yeah. So complicated. Let, let me ask you one thing. Do you have a joke that you can tell me? <laughs> uh. Huh. Dory had many jokes. That's who you're really? following. I, mean, he... I believe yeah, jokes he... are dying. The spirit of jokes are dying. Young kids don't even know them. Right. Uh, ha- half the people who are our age are afraid to tell them. Right. And so it's at a premium, and I still love jokes. Yeah. Well, they'll be like, is he uh, Donald Trump on the news? He's a <laughs> bastard. Yeah. He's like a orange potato and then there'll be like some other guy like did you see the you know john kennedy on the news that's how recent and up-to-date my references are yeah 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 yeah. no no kennedy is the next president (laughs) but you wouldn't be wrong in that there are no jerk jokes during uh democratic presidencies they uh somehow they suddenly stop telling those jokes it's very interesting to me when like when trump appeared people look this will be great for comedy and this will be great for it's art. The worst. Everyone will be angry. And I was like, no, some of the dumbest set I ever made has been because like you can't top someone who is like so completely over the top. Not it's true. You, you don't know? need to like, satirize the man. You don't need to someone who's like in the middle, like David Cameron. He's just like this 
kind of pathetic, flaccid little man, you know. But um, when you have something that's like so extreme, <laughs> like what can you possibly do here? Yeah, you don't need to aestheticize it in yeah. a sense. But and I still, a still a joke. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I know any jokes. I must have. You used them all. <laughs> Uh, let me see. I'm going you to... could tell me a Russian joke. Can you tell me a joke? I like jokes that. Oh my god, I'm going to tell you a terrible joke. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, I've been actually, yeah, I've been kind of like remembering Russian jokes mm-hmm. that, uh, and they're so bad. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, trying to something. Think of one that's not horrifically offensive right now. No, I mean if that's where it's got to go. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, you've provided context. It's a Russian joke. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no concept of uh, punching up or punching down in Russia. It's just <laughs> pure violence all the time, <laughs> omnidirectional. It's just punching. So yeah, I mean, generally. Um, okay, I remembered one. It it's so bad. Okay. So. Uh. There's a man, right? And he drinks. Because, of course, <laughs> he, he's always drunk. Yeah. And his wife is talking to some other wives. And she's like, God damn it, Gennady, uh, you know, his name. He's, he's such an alcoholic. He drinks all the time. And the other wife is like, Do you know what? Uh, maybe. One night, you can sort of put a little snake uh, in his underpants. So then he wakes up and he sees a snake and he's like, fuck's sake, I'm not drinking again. I don't know what happened, but there's a snake in my underpants. And the first woman was like, all right, I'm going to try that. She, she gets a snake, uh, so goes to a pet store, buys a snake. And then uh, she she comes in, the the man comes home, dead drunk, he falls asleep, passes out, snoring, etc. She inserts a snake in his underpants and goes to sleep. Then the man wakes up in the morning. He goes for a morning piss. You know, he's he's drunk a lot. He wants a piss. Um, He takes out the snake instead of his penis. The snake has been sleeping through the night. It's completely fine. It has no interest that it's been placed in some drunk man's underpants. He takes out the snake and he sort of tries to piss with the snake. Well, the snake is just hissing, you know, because it's being squeezed, doesn't know why it's sort of hoisted about uh, toilet. And the man says, Stop hissing and start pissing. Wow. That, that's so good. That's that wordplay, that Russian wordplay. The funny thing is that it doesn't, uh, it doesn't rhyme in, in Russian. That's yeah, yeah. my <laughs> artistic interpretation. Uh, well, thank you for that joke. I think yeah. we'll end on that. Um, uh, you know, it was good think- talking to you. That was a great pleasure of like extending the joke that has no payoff to the limit. Yeah. There's just something so satisfying about like, the disappointment of that. 
I'm not anyway. disappointed. I liked it. It was very oh. visual, very vivid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you should try the your open mic. Yeah, you should come through. I'm gonna call you, and we'll have a real conversation about the idea we were discussing with the oh, stage. Right. right. With with a necropile. Yeah. 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 Okay. But until then, thank you for your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Later. Bye. Thank you for listening. Music by Dory Bavarsky and Mingja Chen. Next week we have J.E. Sundy. Don't miss it.